appreciate that. Amen. All righty. Uh, of course, after the lesson, if anybody thinks of prayer requests, we'll give you just a moment to share that before we pray. But we'll go ahead and jump into the lesson this evening in Genesis chapter number 13. Genesis chapter number 13. Now, last lesson in Genesis chapter number 12, we saw Abram going down into Egypt. We see uh, that Abram was there in the land of Canaan. He was where God had sent him to. God had said, this is the land that I promised to you. He was there at Bethel. He built an altar. God said, this is the place. Abram had found where God wanted him, and here he was. But then a famine came. Abram didn't expect a famine. He didn't expect uh, hardships. He didn't expect that to come. Uh, and instead of turning to God, who had promised to bless him, regardless of what came his way, instead of turning to God, Abram began to rely on his own reasoning and his own thinking. He said, there's no food here. There's food in Egypt. I'll take my family and I'll go to Egypt. But the problem was, God didn't want him in Egypt. Now, there's a lot of types that we can take from Egypt, and Egypt being a type of sin and a lot of good things that we can learn from that. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But the main reason that it was wrong for uh, Abram to go to Egypt is because God didn't want him in Egypt. That was the main problem. God said, Abram, I want you in Cain and I don't want you in Egypt. And so for Abram to come up with a reason that he ought to go to Egypt he messed up right there because he left where God wanted him at. And now we could get into a lot of other reasons why he shouldn't have went to Egypt, but the, the application that we made last week that I want to remind you of is stay where God's put you. Stay where he's put you. Wherever God has put you, wherever God has called you, stay and serve. Are you going to face hardships? Yep, you're going to face hardships. Are you going to face unexpected difficulties? Yes, you're going to face unexpected difficulties. But there's no reason to pull up and move because it'll only be worse than where it is where God wants you to be. And many times the hardships and difficulties that we face when we're where God wants us to be is things that God is bringing our way that he might let his grace shine forth. And so we've seen that Abram uh, went to Egypt. He was not where God wanted him to be. If Abram had wanted to reap the blessings of God, then he should have stayed in Canaan. He should have stayed there in Bethel. Uh, but it's awful tempting to pack up and run when things get tough. And uh, we see a lot of people, you know, that have been called to different areas of ministry and ministry begins to get tough. And boy, I'm telling you what, the devil jumps on the back and he says, come on, let's pack up and go. Let's pack up and run. And we see a lot of people who do that. Uh, uh, the statistics of missionaries that leave the field and come home, the statistics of pastors that leave the pastorate and quit pastoring, the statistics of Sunday school teachers that say, hey, we just can't do this, and, and on and on and on we could go uh, is unreal. The amount of people who say, hey, it just got tougher than I thought it was going to be, so I packed up and went. But the truth of the matter is, if you want God's blessings, you need to stay where God placed you. If you want God to be good to you, stay where he placed you. Stay where God wanted you to be because there's many hardships and difficulties that we will face just because we're here in this corrupt world. But there's a lot of hardships and difficulties we'll avoid if we stay in God's will. 
And so Abram, I believe, could have avoided a lot of the hardships uh, that he faced there in Egypt if he had stayed in God's will. And Abram went to Egypt, and as we saw last week, he did learn this the hard way. He got there to Egypt where he thought he ought to go. He got there. On his way there, he became concerned. He began to realize how vulnerable he was outside of God's will. He became concerned about his own safety. He gets to Egypt. He nearly loses his wife. He ruins his testimony. He gets thrown out of the country when he should have just stayed in Canaan. This is where God wanted him at. So I want, to, I, I, I want to take a few minutes this evening, though, and come into chapter number 13, because although Abram failed when he went to Egypt, God's mercy came through. And boy, I'm telling you what, I thank God for his mercy that delivers us from our own foolishness. God's mercy delivering us from our own foolishness. And God came through. God uh, dealt in the house of Pharaoh. He restored Sarah. He took care of Abram despite Abram's foolish decisions. Abram realized that God had taken care of him. And in chapter number 13, we see Abram's restoration. Abram is coming back up out of Egypt. Abram has been restored and be restoring his relationship with God. And so we want to take a few minutes and look at this thing of Abram returning to the land of promise. So we're going to read in Genesis 13, we're just going to read the first four verses and then we're going to pray and get into the lesson. The Bible says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for each person that has came to be a part of the service tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the example that you give us, Lord, in the life of Abram. Uh, Lord, I pray that you will help as we look into your word this evening. Lord, as we look at Abram restoring his relationship with you, that, Father, it will help us, uh, Lord, as we look at this example, Lord, to purpose in our heart, uh, Lord, not to run when things get difficult, but to stay put. But, Lord, when there are times that we slip or we fall, or, Lord, we uh, turn away from you, that, Father, uh, Lord, we will follow these steps to restoration and restore our fellowship with you, Father, I pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Bless as we look into your word. Bless with the children's program, the teens program taking place downstairs. I pray you bless uh, Aiden and Pastor Kent. Uh, Lord, as they present your word, I pray your Lord you work in the lives of these young people that, Lord, they may come to know you and live their lives for you, Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We see in chapter number 12 that Abram had failed, but we see in these four verses that Abram is returning to God. Abram had made a mistake, but now his actions show that he has repented and he is seeking restoration. We've mentioned this a couple times already looking at Abram, but the Bible says that a just man falleth seven times, but he riseth yet again. Are we going to mess up? Yes, there's going to be times we do things we wish we hadn't have done. There's going to be times when we make decisions we wish we hadn't made it. There's going to be times when we're going to realize that we should have listened or we should have obeyed and, and we're going to regret what we've done. But what makes the difference 
between a saint and a sinner is a saint will get back up and return to God over and over and over again. And here we see that Abram, Abram was a young Christian. Abram had just begun his, his following God, and Abram made a mistake. But you know what? I thank the Lord that God does not allow us to waste any moment of our life. Abram made a mistake. He went to Egypt. He nearly lost his wife. He ruined his testimony. But God took this situation and used it to teach Abram important things about Abram's walk with God. Now, whenever you say that, some folks will say, well, do, do you think that God, uh, God sent Abram into Egypt so that God could teach him this lesson? I don't think that at all. No, God is always more pleased when we stay faithful to Him. But if we falter... God will use our failing to instruct us that we might better know how to walk with him later. And we see that God worked in Abram's life and taught him. There's four things here uh, that I want to show you this evening that reveal Abram's sincerity in seeking to restore his relationship with God. Abram knew he'd messed up, and Abram was serious about restoring his restoration. The first thing that I see that Abram did when he wanted to get right with God is he removed himself from the world. He removed himself from the world. We call this separation. And that's your two blanks is removed and separation. We see that Egypt is a type of the world. We see that Egypt gives us a type of Abram no longer relying on God and instead beginning to put his trust in the things of the world. God had said, Abram, I'll take care of you. There came a famine. Abram said, I don't know if God can take care of me. I'm going to go to Egypt. I'm going to rely on the things of the world to take care of me. But whenever he wanted to restore his relationship with God, he removed himself from the world. Now, there are those that we've seen uh, monks and uh, folks like that that would move themselves off to a monastery and completely isolate themselves from the world in an effort to do what is uh, we're seeing taught here uh, to, to separate themselves from the wickedness of the world. But by isolating themselves, uh, they are unable to fulfill what God has called us to do. God has called us to be a light to the world. God has called us to be an influence. God has called us to be the salt of the earth. And if we isolate ourselves uh, to a point where we're not able to be effective witnesses in the world, uh, we've got on the, off in the wrong, on the other ditch. We've went too far the other way. Whenever we say that we remove ourselves from the world, it doesn't mean that we take ourselves away from every aspect of the world. No, it means that we rely on Christ and we live for Christ and our focus is on Christ while we're in this world. Paul, speaking to the saints in the book of Colossians, he referred to those who were in Christ at Colossae. There's two things here. They lived at Colossae, but they were in Christ. Now there are those uh, who are at Colossae and they can't serve the Lord because they're so encumbered uh, with Colossae. But those who are in Christ 
at Colossae are those who are following God and able to make a difference at Colossae. And so we see here that the first thing that Abram did is Abram said, I need to separate myself from lying, from relying on the world. I need to get back to putting my trust in God. It says there in verse number 1, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. There's three things that I see here about Abram's separation. First, uh, we see that he left Egypt. Uh, he left Egypt. He left behind that which he had turned to. And Abram went up out of Egypt. Now we know that Pharaoh didn't leave him much choice there. Pharaoh said, get your wife and get on out of here. But he left Egypt. And in Abram's mind, Abram realized, I made a mistake in not trusting God. I'm going back to where God called me. I'm going back to where God wanted me. I'm leaving this behind and going back to where God wanted me. So he left Egypt. But then the second thing that I see that he did here in his separation is that he led his family. He led his family back. It says there, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him. Now, there's no question that it was Abraham's fault that they were in Egypt. It was Abram's bad call that got his family in Egypt. It was Abram's bad leadership that had Sarah wind up in Pharaoh's court. That was Abram's fault. It was his mistake. But Abram was still the leader of the home. And it was up to Abram to get them back out of that mess. You know, oftentimes as men and leaders of the home, we will make decisions that are wrong decisions. And we will get our families in a situation that they ought not be in. And when we realize what we've done and we realize the mistake that we've made, the devil will jump on your back and tell you that you're not, uh, you're not qualified to lead your family back out. He'll jump on your back and say, you made this mistake. You're inadequate. You don't have the right. You're unworthy to lead your family back out of this problem. But the truth of the matter is, even if you messed up, even if you made a mistake, you are still the leader of the home and the responsibility is on our shoulders to lead our families back out of Egypt. Now, if you remember, last week we were talking about all the flocks and herds that Pharaoh sent uh, as payment for Sarah. And I lightly stated that Lot was probably enjoying getting all these flocks and herds. You know, Lot, not a very spiritual guy. He's like, wow, look at this. this we really uh, getting a lot of flocks and herds, and he was excited about that. We don't know if that's the case or not, but it's very possible because, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, as we'll see in a couple of weeks, Lot liked things in Egypt because when he went to Sodom, he said that it looked like Egypt. So Lot enjoyed Egypt, you know. But whenever it came time to go, Abram said, Lot, we're leaving. There's a very good chance that Lot wasn't happy about Abram's decision. But Abram said, I'm the leader of this family, and we're leaving. We are going. Abram led his family back out. You know what? Whenever we make bad decisions and we allow our family to go in a way that they ought not, it takes some humility to say, I messed up. And what I said was okay isn't okay. 
It takes some humility, it, but it also takes some grit to say, I'm going to lead you back out. I led you in, now I'm leading you back out. There's a book that several of us men went through together, and I've went through it individually with guys a couple of times, and it talks about uh, men being the leader of their home. And in the book, it gives the illustration of a guy falling asleep at the wheel of an automobile. And he wakes up to his wife screaming. And he wakes up, and she's got a hold of the wheel, and she's trying to turn the wheel. And in his, as soon as he wakes up, even in his groggy state, he recognizes that her being frantic pulling on the wheel is going to make the accident worse. And so although it was his fault that they're about to wreck, he looks at his wife and says, turn loose, I've got it. And he gets the wheel and he corrects the direction of the automobile and saves the family. An illustration is made that even if you get your family in, it's your responsibility to get your family back out. And we see that illustrated very good right here with Abram. He led his family back out of Egypt. He separated from the world. Whenever we as leaders of the home decide that we need to separate from the world, it's our responsibility to lead our family to be separated from the world. And then we see also that when he separated from the world, he began living by faith. Now in verse number 2 it says, And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Now some of this uh, he may have obtained uh, from Pharaoh. A lot of this he already had when he went to Egypt. The illustration here is Abram had plenty when he got scared and ran. And he still had plenty when he left. God was providing for him when he ran. And when he's like, okay, i got to leave Egypt, God was still taking care of him. Whenever you separate yourself from the world, sometimes you've got to step out in faith and trust that God is going to take care of you. I know a gentleman who had a, a good job, a good paying job, um, and he was, uh, you know, had a lot of uh, uh, years in at this company, uh, but there were some things that went on at the company that he just felt as a Christian he could not work there. And um, he said, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. And he quit his job and bought a riding lawnmower. And he had a minivan and he bought himself a little trailer, put his riding lawnmower on that trailer and started going around knocking on doors asking if he could mow grass. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to work a job that dishonors God. I'm just going to step out by faith and buy myself a lawnmower and see if I can make it. And you know what? Not only did he make it, he became very successful mowing people's grass because whenever you step out on faith, God will bless you and take care of you. And so we see here that Abram, he never needed to go to Egypt in the first place. And when he left, God takes time to emphasize in his word that Abram was well taken care of. God met Abram's needs. And so Abram separated himself from the world. He, he left Egypt. He led his family out of Egypt, and he began living by faith, which was what God had called him to do. Back in Ur of the Chaldees, God said, Abram, I want you to live by faith. And it's what God has called every one of his children to do is live by faith and trust him. Next we see that Abram, the next thing we see here in his restoration, first he uh, left Egypt, but then we see that he returned to God. He returned to God. And we call this sanctification. Now separation and sanctification are 
similar, but they're different. Whenever we talk about being separated from the world, it is separated from. I'm separating myself away from that. I'm not taking part in that. I'm not, I'm not uh, including myself in their activities and their pursuits. I'm separating from. Sanctification is separating to. I want to be like Christ. I want the characteristics of Christ to, to be seen in me. I'm separating myself from the world. I'm separating myself to Christ, and that is sanctification. When you separate yourself to Christ. It says here in verse 3 and 4, And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. I see here three things uh, uh, that took place in his return to God. He returned to Bethel, and, and, and there's three things about Bethel that I want to show to you. When he returned to Bethel, he returned to a place of promise. It was there at Bethel that God said, Abram, look around you. Everything you see, I'm going to give you. Abram, this is the place I was talking about. This is the place that I sent you to. This is the place where I'm going to bless you. This is where I'm going to establish you. Abram, this is the place. And boy, if we had time to get into all the prophecy, and I'll just make another plug for FBI. We've just went through learning a lot about uh, end times and all that's going to take place right here where Abram's standing at Bethel, all that's going to take place. I'm telling you what, I wish I had time to get into it. You need to sign up for FBI. Anyway, uh, we see here that it was a place uh, of promise. He said, Abram, you have no idea what is going to take place here at this place. Abram left it, but Abram came back to the place of promise. You know what? Somewhere in your past, may have been as a child, may have been as an adult, somewhere though in your past there was a time when you gave your life to God. You turned away from yourself, you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you gave your life to Him. Throughout your Christian walk, all of us have experienced it, maybe some more than others, there's been times when we've lost the thrill of what took place when we accepted Christ. And when we lose that thrill, we begin to drift away in our Christian walk and in our relationship with God. Whenever you want to restore your relationship, you need to come back to that place of promise. Now, you may not be able to go back to the actual spot where you accepted Christ. I accepted Christ as a nine-year-old boy in a single wide park behind my uncle's house. Well... My uncle don't live in that house and the single wife's not there no more. I can't hardly go back to that spot. But I can go back to it in my mind, that place of promise where God said, you give your life to me and I will take care of you. Abram went back to the place of promise. But when he went back, when he returned to God, he also returned to a place of prayer. And we're going to look more at that in a little bit. But it was there at Bethel where Abram had called on the Lord and he returned to that place of prayer. And then we see that he returned to a place of purpose, a place of purpose. It was there. It was there that God had promised the land. It was there that God had said, I'm going to build a nation. It was there that God said, Abram, I'm going to do great and mighty things for you. Abram, there's no telling what all I can do for you or through you here at this place. 
It was a place of purpose. And Abram returned to that place of purpose. You know what? Many times God will call us to do something and we'll do it for a little while. Then we'll burn out, quit. God says, you want to restore your relationship? Come back to that place of purpose and let me start using you again. Let me start working through you again. So Abram, in seeking to be restored to God, he left Egypt. He returned to God. But then thirdly we see that Abram resumed his worship. and We see that illustrated in the sacrifice. He resumed his worship. Abram left Canaan and he went to Egypt. Now we don't have record of every day and every moment of Abram's life during the time that he was in Egypt. But just looking at how things were playing out, I think his worship was suffering. Now I imagine when Sarah was taken by Pharaoh's men, I imagine Abram prayed. I'm pretty sure that he was calling on the Lord. But there was a difference in his prayer. And maybe you can relate to this. I know that I can relate to this. There are times whenever I'm talking to the Lord and it's worship. I am just overwhelmed with who He is. I'm overwhelmed with what He's done for me. It is a sweet, sweet fellowship between my Maker and His creation. It is a a, a time of communication between me and God. There are other times when my prayer is centered around only what I need because I've got myself in trouble. I'm sure Abram prayed when Pharaoh's men came and said, we're going to take your sister and go see Pharaoh. I'm sure Abram prayed. But there wasn't any worship. It was just desperation. Abram returned back to a place of worship. He got back in the will of God so that he could worship God. And we see here in verse number 4 that he returned unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. You know there's a couple of things that is symbolized by the altar. This thing of sacrifice. A couple of things that is symbolized. We no longer offer animals on the altar as they did then. Christ is our uh, eternal sacrifice. There's no longer a need for that. But we can still learn from the symbolism of the altar in the Old Testament. There are a couple of things symbolized by the altar in the Old Testament. One thing is the altar is a symbol of surrender. It is a symbol of surrender. Whenever you took that lamb, your best lamb, or that calf, your best calf, And as we'll see later in Abram's life, your son, your only son, whenever you took something and you laid it on the altar. I heard a message preached uh, last year at a conference about Job setting himself on the altar. Oh, what a tremendous message it was. Because the altar symbolizes surrender. When I take whatever it is that I possess, whether it's a sheep or a cow or myself, and I lay it on that altar, it symbolizes that I have surrendered it to God. No longer is this about me, but now my focus is on God. And whenever you want to enter into true worship, it's whenever you take your focus off of yourself and you turn your focus to God. Abram returned to the altar. He said, I was in Egypt 
and I was praying. I was desperate. I'm leaving Egypt. I don't want to live a life of desperation. I want to go back to the altar. I want to surrender myself to God so I can resume worship. And you know what? Whenever we find ourselves living in a state of desperation, it might do us good to leave Egypt and return to the altar and find that true worship. But not only does the altar symbolize surrender, but the altar symbolizes service. On his way to Egypt, Abram was only thinking about himself. When he returned to the altar, he was thinking about what he could do for God. On his way to Egypt, he had thought, forgotten about what God had called him to do. When he returned to the altar, he's like, I'm back. I'm ready to do what you called me to do. You know what? Whenever we get caught up in the things of the world, many times the things of God will get left behind. But when we return to the altar, we're ready to serve. And then lastly, lastly, I want to point out that Abram rekindled his relationship. We see this in his supplication. Abram removed himself from Egypt. Abram returned to God. Abram came back to the altar. And we see that he was able to rekindle his relationship. It says there in verse number 4, And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Abram came back up out of Egypt. And that that was a journey. He had flocks and herds and there was a lot to keep up with. They couldn't move very fast. But I'm sure in Abram's heart, he was longing to get back to the altar. Have you ever found yourself in a state of being backslidden? And in your heart, you know, I need to get back in God's house. I need to go back to church. You'll tell your spouse, we need to go back to church. You'll tell your co-workers, I don't know why I'm being so hateful today. I need to go back to church. I'm telling you, we know that we need to get back to the altar. Why do we want to get back to the altar? Why do we want to go back to church? Because it's there that we can call on the Lord. We can make things right and we can restore that relationship. All the way back from Egypt, heading back to Bethel, I'm sure that Abram in his mind was saying, i got to get back to that altar. i got to get back to that altar because when I get back to that altar, I can call on God. I can let him know that I'm serious about restoring this relationship. And Abram got back and Abram called on the Lord. There's a few things that prayer will do for us. I'll go through these very quickly. Four things that prayer will do for us. Prayer restores our fellowship. There is something about getting alone with God and telling God what is on our heart and talking openly with God that will restore our relationship with God. You see, the Lord loves to talk to His children. And whenever his children are ready to talk, God is ready to restore. Prayer restores fellowship. But not only will prayer restore fellowship, but prayer will revive your faith. You may have seen the cliche statement that says, seven days without prayer makes one week. And it does. Boy, I'm telling you what, when you get back into that fellowship with God, you get back to talking to God, you get back to spending time in prayer with God, your faith that's getting weak will be strengthened through prayer. Not only that, it'll rekindle our fervor. There's something about this world 
There's something about this world that we live in that will steal our fire. A lot of us, a lot of us heat with wood and you know what, there's certain things in the atmosphere and certain types of wood and certain things you can do with the damper that hinders the fire. And there's something about this world that we live in that will steal our fire as Christians. You've experienced it. You experience it every day. I experience it every day. We want to follow God. You want to live for God. You're praying. You're reading the Word of God. You're spending time with God. You leave your Bible there at the house. You get in your vehicle and you go to work. And you're lucky if you make it to lunchtime before the world and the devil hasn't done jumped on you and started trying to steal that fire that you found that morning. There is something about this world that will steal your fire. And if we allow them to steal our fire... We stop pursuing God. It don't take long before our fervor for serving the Lord gets weaker and weaker and weaker. That's why we got to be faithful to come back to God, come back to God, come back to God over and over and over again. Folks have asked me sometimes, Pastor John, how much do I have to pray? Or how much do I have to read the Bible? You know, how much do I have to... Well, I mean, you don't have to do it any. But the more you do it, the better the reward. The more you do it, the more confident you're going to be in your salvation. The more you do it, the closer you're going to be to God. The more you do it, the more fervor you're going to have. We we don't work for our salvation, so you don't have to read, you don't have to pray, but you're not going to have much of a Christian life. But I'm telling you what, when God moves on on the inside and you begin to seek Him and you begin to pursue Him, there's something about that personal time with God that rekindles that fervor in our heart. And then last of all, prayer will renew our focus. We'll look at it next week. But it lit down in chapter 13, verse number 14, Lot and Abram have separated and we'll look at all that takes place there next week, but after Lot had left, look here what the Lord said to Abram in verse number 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Now God had already showed Abram all this. He had already told him, look around, everything you can see, it's yours. But Abram got worried and Abram left. Abram left, finally got done with Egypt, came back up out of Egypt. He rekindled his relationship with God. He began to spend some time in prayer with God. And God said, Abram, let me remind you what I told you about before. Look, look, all this land that you can see, I'm going to give it to you. He renewed his focus, and prayer will renew your focus. You know what? As Christians, there's no need to try and deny it. There's going to be times when we drift away. But whenever we do, we can follow these steps and restore our relationship with God and get back where we ought to be with him. Tremendous example here that we see in Abram's restoration. As we continue to go through his life, we'll find out that we get a couple more examples. He's a just man, falleth seven times, but he riseth yet again. So hopefully that's been a blessing to you this evening. All righty.